And before you knew it, we had mothers bringing their troubled 14-year-olds to us. I had a guy who stole a car and literally brought himself and the stolen car to us because he needed prayer. We had people joining church on Tuesday and Wednesday. You are going to hear the full story from Pastor John Gurton today, or Pastor G, as he's better known in Indianapolis, where he just spent 30 days and nights in a tent in the roughest area of Indianapolis. He's going to tell you how it changed his life, and he's going to remind all of us that we are all called to do something. Um, Something that I feel called to do is to go to India in November with India Partners. I still can't even believe it's true, but if you would like to go with me, either by helping India Partners pay for the trip or by committing to pray for me while I'm in India visiting a safe house where girls live who've been rescued from a life in the brothels in Mumbai, come by lifewithlisawilliams.com. And that's where you can let me know that you'll be praying or find out more about how you can support India Partners. This is this is this is life with Lisa Williams. So for 30 days, which just ended this past weekend, for 30 days, Pastor G slept outside, not like camping in the mountains, sleeping outside from what I understand. So Pastor G, thank you for coming on the show today and telling us your story. Not a problem. So why did you do this? Why did you spend 30 days and 30 nights in in a tent in, (laughs) I I think it was like in the heart of Indianapolis from what I understand? Yeah, um... Basically, um, we have have experienced sort of an uptick in violence here, uh, senseless violence here in the community, uh, the city of Indianapolis, and there are six hot spots that have been identified uh, in this area where uh, we've had more of your homicides and non-fatal shootings and other things go on. And so 2008 set a record for the city, uh, and ever since 2008, we've been sort of toying with that record every year. It's just kind of been kind of hovering around that. And so this, this year, we had another kind of uptick this summer uh, in, the, uh, in, in the homicide rate. And so, you know, having come back to Indianapolis about five years ago, I was in Nashville at that time. Uh, I was there for about 13 years. And, you know, looking at Indianapolis from afar, you know, it kind of made you proud. It was like, okay, they've got, you know, the football team, they got Super Bowl, yeah. they got, you know, Circus Center Mall, all this great stuff going on in Indianapolis. And for me, it kind of felt like, you know, okay, I like the city that I'm from, right? But when I moved back five years ago, one of the first things I discovered was that Indianapolis had grown into two different cities. It was the city that I saw on television and then a totally different city when I went to church, Right. And what was worse was that those two different cities were growing apart. They were growing away from one another. So, you know, the sort of the high end of the city was getting better and the low end of the city was getting worse. And so really from 2010 until we began this tent campaign, I felt in my spirit that God had brought us back to Indianapolis for a reason, just didn't know Mm -hmm. what that reason was. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so this summer, uh, I should say this past spring, I became the pastor of the Christ Mission Baptist Church. It was March 29th. And it was kind of like, you know, one day we weren't the pastor, the next day we were. <laughs> and God just said, you know, put, put on the shoulder pads and go into the game. So there was really no room for preparation, no room to think about it, no time for anything except just suit up and go into the game. And that's kind of what happened. Uh, immediately I started doing funerals for murder victims. 
I did a 39-year-old Trinero uh, earlier in the summer. Uh, I stood by the casket with his 8-year-old, 11-year-old, both crying big tears because their dad was dead. Then a few weeks later, I was doing a committal for a 16-year-old who had been shot 17 times. Um, You know, and then there was a mother of five who was in the wrong place at the wrong time who ends up getting shot by straight bullets. Mother of five killed, you know, and her five children have to deal with the trauma, the loss of grief of their mother who was supposed to come home that night. So, you know, and so it, it really wasn't one thing that sort of led us into this this campaign. It was several things that just started sort of mounting one yeah. on top of the other. And initially, uh, I thought God wanted me to do something grand, grandiose, you know, block off the streets, get all these political figures and all these community activists together, and let's go, you know, do this major thing. And then God kind of showed me through the scripture where, where Elijah uh, Elijah ends up getting uh, having a price put on his head by Jezebel uh, yeah. to, uh, and runs him into a cave. You know, yeah. I preached a sermon called Get Out of the Cave a few weeks before the campaign started. And it was in that message that God kind of showed me that, you know, he wasn't in the wind he wasn't in the earthquake he wasn't in the the fire he was he came in a still small voice and said you know you're not alone but you got to come out of the cave and so i knew i had to come out of the church i had to go to the mouth of the cave and i had to see what god was doing outside of the church and in so doing god said don't ask anybody else to do a sacrifice here in this he said you be the sacrifice and that's when it started coming to us that we needed to to find a way to sacrifice our creature comforts and go out into the street, live in a tent in, in, in the most violent area of the city. Crime rate was up 250% over last year in that particular area. Uh, no locks on the, on the tent, no alarms on the tent, no bars on the tent. Just be out there. And so that's what we did. That's what you did. That's what you did. Okay, thank you so much for all that backstory. I was, I'm sure I'm not the only one feeling very moved after hearing you say that because, you know, you are a man of God in the heart of the city, in a city in the heart of a state that's in the heart of our country, and you're basically mm-hmm. trying to follow God, and you were mm-hmm. thrust into a ministry where all of a sudden you've got people traumatized and being killed, and you're thinking, what's the answer? And so you feel you felt led to be in a tent, mm-hmm. and you were at the corner of Martin Luther King and was it 30th? 30th Street, yes. 30th Street and Martin Luther King in Indianapolis, Indiana for 30 days. And so so that just ended. What was it like? It was tough. (laughs) I mean, it wasn't tough to do it. It wasn't like I was, you know, several people would ask, are you scared? Are you nervous? No, I was not scared. I was not nervous. There was nothing about the experience that made me scared or nervous. Yes, I heard gunshots. Yes, there were alcoholics. There were drug dealers. There was drug things. I mean, all of that was around us. But at no point was I in fear. But yeah. it was tough because I was away from my family. I was away from, I got three kids. I was away from my children. You know, it was cold at night. It was windy at night. It was raining at night. It was miserable out there at different times. But, you know, when you're called to do it, you just do what God calls you to do, and he takes care of the rest. Okay, so you were out there away from your family night and day. You were out there night and day? 24-7 um, for the most part. Yeah. Every now and then I had to leave and go do different things and speak in different places. But for the most part, I came right back to that corner. Did people start to talk to you? Did they gather around you? Did they start sleeping near you? Well, there were people that had offered to stay out there with us, but because we had to get, you know, cold, uh, you know, we had to go through cold to even set the tent up. 
uh, it was a liability yeah. for anybody else to stay other than myself and a security guard or whoever was with me at that particular time. So, you know, when you're available, and this is all I can say, when you make yourself available to share the love of Christ and to be the love of Christ in a place like that, um, you can't imagine how many people, when you're available 24-7, and my church, they were there, volunteers were there around the clock. You cannot imagine the kinds of people that come up to who need love, who need yeah. to be heard, who, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just hard to really fathom unless you put yourself in a position like that. So many people get so used to saying, I'll pray for you, without really thinking about yeah. how, the, the empathy and the, the compassion behind what Jesus does when Jesus hits the street. Yeah. All I can say, yeah. all I can say is, is, is it's, it's mind-blowing, you know, to put yourself in that position and have to turn a tent into a, a you know, a, a, a crisis center, a, a food counter, a intervention, you know, a job placement center. A, I mean, it was everything to these people. Yeah. Yeah. And there you were. You were just, I don't even know how to put it into words either. It is mind-blowing. Like, you, you followed God. You made yourself available. Uh, someone said to me yesterday, everybody is hurting. If you listen to them long enough, you'll find the pain if, yeah. they, if they open up and talk. And so you've got people who are really hurting. I mean, they're on the streets or they're in that violence. They're either the perpetrators or they're the ones who've been affected by the violence. And, and there you are. You're just there. And they came. And so, yeah. so then, what, what I, I mean, I, I'm not going to ask you what next because I don't know if you've heard from God and I don't want to put you on the spot. But what happened to you personally through the experience? I mean, totally changed. I mean, I have a hard, I tried after we left the tent to go back to my normal routine and it was impossible. I couldn't do it. I couldn't go back into Starbucks and just sit there and drink coffee like I used to anymore because I know that there are people who need us on the streets outside the church. And so even though I've tried to kind of do what I did in the past, it hasn't worked. Um, I now have to kind of continue to respond to the call of the people of God to continue to show the love of Christ to people who need it the most. Um, so it has changed, it's changed everybody that's around us. Nobody looks at people the same way anymore. So what are you going to do, Pastor? I mean, how are you going to live the rest of your life? I mean, I know you, you may not have heard from God yet, but what do you think this might lead to? Well, you know, this is clearly God's call not only on our lives, but we believe that it's a clarion call to everybody who is around us to find a role in this sort of situation with not only our young people, but the parents of our young people. Uh, this is really a call to everybody to find an opportunity to get involved. I'm not asking any other, mm -hmm. I'm not asking any other pastors to sleep in a tent. I'm not doing that. That's not the point. The point is, is that people find a role in having compassion for their community and playing that role. You know, people would always ask us, you know, well, you know, what's next? And how, you know, wh what are you going to do after the mm -hmm. tent comes down? Well, I'm done. We've lit a spark. The only thing we're asking other people mm -hmm. to do after this is if you're a prayer warrior, start praying. If you're a mentor, start mentoring. You see what I'm saying? If you're a pastor, start mm -hmm. pastoring the people in the community, right? We're not asking people to do any more than what God has already called them to do. It's just that they need to do it with more intentionality and sh sharing more love. We can't, you know, this would not have worked if we had gone to that corner and been judgmental, talked down to people, pointed to them from across the street, 
told them what they needed to do, how they needed to do it, it wouldn't have worked that way. All we did was listen to people, hear people, empathize with people, have compassion on people. And God is calling us to put ourselves in the way so that people who need the love of Christ literally have to trip over us in order to, you know, walk throughout their day. And that's all we're doing. I'm not trying to change nobody's program. I'm like, if you have a great idea, if you have something great going on in your community, in your church, continue to do what you do because, you know, the whole, the whole idea of Unite for Change is making sure that everybody comes together because if your leg has cancer, it isn't a problem just for your leg. Your whole body is sick. And in our communities, when one area of our community has issues, our entire community has an issue. So that's going to take everybody coming together in order to change what needs to change in our community. So, you know, I don't have time to tell it's somebody good. else what they're doing isn't the right thing to do. I'm saying if, you, you know, if you're putting, you know, putting caskets on the corner to raise awareness about the census violence, then I'm cheering you on. Keep doing that, right? What I heard you say, you know how some words are like spirit words and they stick with you? And what I just heard is be with people who are hurting. Mm-hmm. Be with them. Love them. Look at them. Listen to them. Yeah. Give them an ear. Show them compassion. Mm-hmm. And then and then let, let Christ do what he does right. in their lives right. as they open up. But you have to like you even said you have to let them trip over you because you're so close Correct. that you're just there, right. you know? Yeah, that's good. Uh, that's a good. Those word. people were they're so used to being let down and they're so used to, yeah. to having people look past them and look over them and look through them and look beyond them to the point where after day number 7 or so, people really started realizing, man, this guy's serious. He is not going anywhere, right? It took at least seven days for people to realize that when we said we were going to be there, that we actually were serious about that. And that's when people who used to walk across the street to avoid us stopped doing that and started saying, no, I'm going to walk right by these people. I'm going to see if they're serious about what it is that they're doing. And before you knew it, we had mothers bringing their troubled 14-year-olds to us. I had a guy who stole a car and literally brought himself and the stolen car to us because he needed prayer. We had people joining church on Tuesday and Wednesday. You feel what I'm saying? I mean, we saw things, and my yeah. church experienced things, and the community saw things that they never, ever experienced in their lives. I'm talking about people who were in their 90s who were coming by there saying they had never yeah. seen anything like this before. There's some folks who had never worshipped with the sun as the ceiling, if you follow what I'm saying. This was a new paradigm shift yeah, for yeah. everybody involved. And all I'm saying is, is that I'm not telling anybody to do what I did. I'm just saying, do your part. Play your role. Because there are too many people Mm, who are mm. concerned about people who walk in the doors of the church and forget about the people who walk past the doors of the church.